Welcome, everyone, to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, I'll dance with you. The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 213, the season two and possible series finale, Matt. The Whirlwind is brought to you by Amy's Hidden Treasure. Just get on a bus and go find stuff. Pete, here we are, end of the line for the season. As you said, maybe the series, still some Marvel Netflix in our future, probably the spring or the summer for Jessica Jones. Of course, plenty else going on on the old podcast feed. Just as Punisher starts to draw down, we have Godfriend and me coming back. We continue podcasting, Star Trek Discovery. In fact, new podcast episode tomorrow. And uh, Pete, the twists and turns of Netflix, of this maker of that studio, whatever it is, whatever it is, we're going to roll with it. Take us to the recap. Madani is grasping for her gun, ready for Billy to attack. He does, firing often and missing. She fires and hits, but he is an unstoppable rage machine. A second shot slows him. They choke each other. Both pass out. The credits show the episode is written by Steve Lightfoot and directed by Jeremy Webb, this Webb's third episode of The Punisher. Back in the story, Eliza and Anderson Schultz have taken in Pilgrim's Boys and pat themselves on the back for such Christian charity. Eliza adds that the kids are better off with Pilgrim out of the picture. David FaceTimes with Anderson, but it's Punisher on the line. Anderson threatens Frank Castle and promises to add to the pile of bodies. We see the conversation is being recorded. Eliza is more practical. What can they exchange? At Pilgrim's hotel room, there's a knock at the door. No one's there. We see Amy around the corner. Pilgrim takes a call from his sons and from Eliza, reminding him... For what he is fighting. Frank, meanwhile, wants Amy safe and tells her to stay back. He enters the room, but Pilgrim is next door. Shots are exchanged as people run. Time for Pilgrim and Punisher to duke it out. They exchange fire as people run, a game of cat and mouse and bullets erupting. Frank bursts through the studless walls, and still the firefight and missing continues, all while Amy counts her breaths and walks to the fight. She is quickly disarmed and captured by Pilgrim. They take the down elevator. On the up, three cops arrive. Frank takes them out too, arriving at the parking garage just as Pilgrim's car leaves. He jumps on the hood and gets thrown off. At Amy's trailer, David wonders how so much bad could have been done for his good name. Are all these people dead because Ma and Pa are ashamed of their son? Later, Frank arrives. David and Curtis are gone. Pilgrim calls and Frank directs him to the empty trailer. Pilgrim knows this is the final showdown and God will sort it out. Amy asks, what about thou shalt not kill? What about changing your own path? At Dumont's apartment, Madani wakes to Mahoney and an EMT. She's headed to the hospital, but they can share things first. Dumont is alive, but how is Madani alive? Mahoney explains Billy left with a trail of blood. Maybe Madani can end up in Mahoney's good graces. He hands her her gun and her badge. She, however, declines. Later, Mahoney enters an empty football stadium. He's there to meet Curtis. Curtis wants this all to end, and he's brought David. The senator notes that Curtis was just trying to do the right thing. Back to Pilgrim, he brings Amy to the trailer, with Frank waiting, bluffing that David is in the trailer. 
Frank wonders what drives Pilgrim and finds out that Pilgrim is a family man pushed to the brink. There they are, mirror images of each other. Frank offers himself up in exchange for Amy. Frank tells her to drive away. She does, and Frank hands over the phone, then admits that David isn't here either. Then they fist fight, like men! Pilgrim bests Frank, choking him with a chain. They pause, brothers in opposition, and fight again. Frank wins the junkyard brawl. Pilgrim asks that his sons not be hurt. At a medical location, a dirty doctor takes a pile of cash in exchange for working on wounded Billy, who won't be going under as the bullets are taken from him. Billy screams and passes out. The doctor considers the cash. Billy wakes in a dumpster, decidedly not fixed. That morning, Curtis makes his way home. He gets a call from Billy in the church basement. Curtis won't call the cops, but can't he help a brother one last time? Also that morning, Dumont is in the hospital and Madani is there. Madani talks about the therapy she got at Dumont's apartment in spilling Billy's blood. Dumont says with reverence that Billy won't die, that he'll be back to sweep Dumont off her feet. In the church basement, it's Frank who arrives. Billy is glad it's him. Billy starts to monologue, and the Punisher shoots him dead and doesn't look back. Time goes by, and Curtis and Mahoney and Madani are there. Mahoney stresses that Curtis has no idea how this happened, since Curtis didn't call Frank. Heck, Mahoney thinks Madani did the job. Maybe she shot him five times last night, not three. As for Castle, who's that? At the Schultz's, they are home having dinner when Amy arrives via the New York to Ohio Express. She's got a gun on Eliza. When Anderson takes Amy's attention, Eliza reaches for a knife. Frank shoots her dead from behind, and Eliza bleeds on the table. Frank lectures Anderson about giving David a chance to make things right. Frank gives Anderson a gun and a bullet. The chance is to live with the truth or die. Frank and Amy leave. Outside, Pilgrim has his sons. A gunshot is heard inside. At a bus terminal, Amy still wouldn't mind teaming up with Frank. He says no, but reflects on the virtue of having helped her. He sends her off to Florida to look for hidden treasure and a new future. It's a teary goodbye for them and maybe for us. She gets on the bus looking back. Frank is gone. Three months later, a fresh-faced Frank Castle is sitting in the car. He watches Tufts enter a building and takes a call from Madani. She's found him via her new job, the CIA. She needs a man who can take the shot on a worse man. He's the best, but he declines. He's got a job. Inside, youths are ready to make a deal or not. The Punisher enters, ready to dance, and fires. Pete, let's talk villains for this episode, and certainly, as we have for most of the season, gotta start with Billy. Yeah, and doesn't he get the ending he deserves, Matt? When he called Curtis, and Curtis took the call, and we were led to believe Curtis might go and patch him up and, you know, have somebody to be with him at the end. I'm like, no, this can't happen. This can't happen. The only thing that could have been better, Matt, is if he had died in the dumpster after that unethical doctor pulls one bullet, doesn't pull the other, and made off with his duffel bag full of cash. <laughs> unethical doctor to be sure uh i think that he the doctor certainly was clear on his ethics what with the you know the the 
the back road practice there, you know, patching up people after fights. Pete, maybe he takes his money, moves to Gotham City, starts doing similar backroom stuff for Jack Napier, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in the interim, though, I I think it takes a little bit of bravado on the part of Steve Lightfoot and the production to deny Billy the monologue, the ending. However, it's in line with the Punisher, and I think to deny Billy that is a sense of justice uh, that the audience gets to have because Billy wants this arc and he wants to be the tragic hero of his own story. And instead, he's not able to deliver any of that. He's not. And again, if only he had died in the garbage, uh, you know, I'm reminded of the Superman two uh, classic line. I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. I've never seen garbage buried with garbage before. I I look back at this character who I'm 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 thankful that the series is done with him, regardless of what the future of the series is. I think to extend beyond this would have been pushing it a bit much. Um, but self-indulgent at every step, obviously in his ascent, in his getting dirty, in his time as Jigsaw, and then even wanting to be self-indulgent to write his own ending. Uh, to have some sort of uh, larger sense as he as his life concludes, I'm happy that he didn't get that. Pete also at the end of the line is the Schultzes in what I must confess a surprising climax to these two. Well, um, I'm not completely sure their story has ended. We're certainly led to believe that. Uh, for Eliza, I'm fairly certain it's over. Uh, <laughs> and and that was pretty shocking. Um, I guess Amy and Frank came together that this wasn't just Amy coming in and then, <sighs> oh, thank goodness I caught you. Bang, Eliza's dead. Now, here, you put this gun in your mouth or, you know, I'm going to do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It was an unexpected resolution to, I think, the Schultz-Pilgrim end of the story. If you would have told me that Pilgrim is going to survive and his masters here would die, I would not have believed that. Um, It's a message that they go or were led to believe they go i mean let's keep it real these characters are based on the Koch brothers um and the tremendous sway they have over american politics and then you sprinkle in you know some influence of some other real world uh politicians and then you know it's a it's a hefty dose of morality and you know, there's no pretense to Frank Castle. He calls it as it is. And we as viewers recognize that and love that about him. Uh, beaten as he is, um, he comes right to it. And there's an eloquence to that and an elegance to how straightforward it is. That being said, to put the fate of Anderson Schultz in his own hands is a novel choice. 
and should we never return to this, obviously you take away what you take away. Given the way that the story then jumps forward, um, on top of all the Netflix Marvel drama and intrigue, um, I mean, come on, Matt. We talk about TV code all the time. One shot, I missed. Two shots on camera, you dead. Unless it's the uh, Pilgrim Punisher fight at the midpoint of this episode in the in the connected hotel rooms where everybody misses the entire fight. Oh, but I we're digress. Gonna, we're going to talk at length about that because uh, Amy needs to bar, buy several lottery tickets. <laughs> um, that or, you know, the hallways are reinforced with adamantium. Uh, to, to conclude on the Schultzes though, uh, it's an interesting narrative choice that by the end of this season, the show and its voice, it gives maybe not a pass to Pilgrim, but it certainly gives Pilgrim context as an anti-Punisher or, or a mirror reflection of the Punisher and lays the blame at the Schultzes who from afar are trying to uh, manipulate the situation trying to advance their own cause and to do so behind their, you know, their, their walled gardens, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I don't know that it's a message that most of us would necessarily disagree with in terms of the, the disattached power people who really don't care about the masses uh, manipulating the masses or using the masses or mowing down the masses for their own purposes I guess I was a bit surprised at how palatable that was served up to be at the end. Like, of course, we're all going to say it's the trillionaires. It's their fault. It's not you and me. And to give Pilgrim some sympathy. Okay. I think that that, you know, that there is a role for sympathy. There is a role for, particularly if, if, if the show is going for some sort of political allegory here, I think that particularly with the allegory hat on, it is right to not necessarily villainize that other side, to try and understand the other side, to try and contextualize, maybe to try and do things to prevent them from going on massive killing sprees and things like that. Um, so to me, there's just a little discontinuity from the noble goal of what was done and just it, it somehow doesn't sit perfectly with me, although I can't say that's because this doesn't make sense and that was not explained. I'm not going to lie that over the last couple episodes, I've developed an affinity for John Pilgrim. But at the same time, he is a horrible, horrible person who has committed atrocity after atrocity and that he was left alive because he has two boys. <sighs> I mean, that's really so any terrible person with children needs to be kept alive. I mean, I get it, Frank, but at the same time, I don't. And then what does Frank do at the end of season two? We are led to believe he mows down an entire couple of gangs of not much older kids yeah, the youth in that gang, those gangs at the it's end. uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not. And you, Pete, we talk about these little fixes that could get made. Here's 
here's a little fix. You find you've shot all that stuff. You're in the editing room. You're like, oh, yikes. We don't like the tone here. Here's a solution. Hey, guys, I'll dance with you. Pull the guns, cut to black. All right, well, then he hasn't fired, you know. When he starts to fire, Pete, and there's legit, you know, fireworks coming out of those prop guns there. Look, there's no way that he doesn't hit at least one person, two people, something like that. And again, hit us with, uh, after you killed all those grandparents at the kindergarten graduation, I will now dance with you. Like, give us something. Or even like, how about this? Exterior, you know, okay, I'll dance. He pulls the guns out, cut to an exterior. You hear the gun firing and you see people running out of there. Well, then in your mind's eye, if you want to say, and all of those those wayward youths escaped because he was firing right above them. He gave them a good scaring and changed their lives forever. I can believe that if I want, and you can believe that they were all mowed down, but the show doesn't give us any proof. You know, again, it's a matter of angles. I know we don't see any bodies there at the end, but it's a weird way for the show to land in a season that I think started out super strong and then kind of spent a lot of time going in circles just to get to a quick Billy resolution, which I enjoyed, even if it denied a certain elegance. And then the, the, the Schultzes being the ones that now have to pay with their lives, but not Pilgrim. That's a weird spot to end. And even, yeah. I mean, Pete, if Madani, if Madani hires successfully the Punisher, look, I'm I'm not saying in you know in the real world, it's not my place to judge whose life is more valuable than another but you want to give me in my tv ma show called the punisher madani hires him to go kill the batterer people he's badder but then there's batterers okay like that's okay i understand there's people worse than frank castle instead he says no i'm gonna go shoot the local gang okay that that was a choice and i again appreciate the uh identification that frank has with Pilgrim, his the remainder of his family, his children in particular, are still alive. He can do something about it. Frank is in a position to help him. Okay, that's a human thing to do, and you could certainly see the appeal in that. Um, but if I'm in that writer's room, Matt, maybe, maybe it's why I don't have a, a, a full-time gig yet, but Pilgrim's got to go, and then Frank gets those kids and someplace safe. Maybe Amy takes them. Maybe uh, Curtis takes them. Maybe, you know, Sister Maggie, Matt, gets referenced, and she takes uh, little Lemuel and the other one whose name escapes me. Okay? But, you know, and on top of that, Pilgrim is healthy, and, you know, all all we needed there was a thumbs up to the camera. <laughs> thumbs up in a freeze frame then like right fly into the danger zone yeah i'm really surprised they they left him alive um i i can respect the conviction to do that um but given the things that he did given the life that he had led um you know his arc had ended and you gave him this other unnecessary arc I can only hope if they come back, they don't attempt to return to him in the way they returned to Billy. 
Well, and I have to wonder, too, if this is an episode, particularly in the second half, if this is an episode that is hindered by the boundless possibilities of TV. Now, when they shot this, uh, this entire season, did they know that the, the goose was cooked for Marvel Netflix? Probably not. I, I kind of suspect this must have been a scenario that people played out with the ascension of Disney uh, Plus and all that. But certainly at the time they were making it, how could they possibly cancel this show? They just sunk in $80 million to make season two of this show. Like It's incongruous to say it's on its way out. Even if higher up the food chain, what's $80 million? Do what you have to do, run out the contract, etc. Um, but this idea of, as I said before, the limitless possibilities of television. So let's already start to seed season three stuff. And not just in a little way. Let's, Pete, we're, we're not going to have... Uh, Senator Schultz's speech in this season, closing his arc, showing his growth from the experience of season two. No, Pete, that maybe that's where we're going to start season three is him saying it is a new day in America where we have learned to set aside blah, blah, blah. And, oh, it'll be great. That'll be a great thing to hold for next time, hold for next time, as opposed to did they make, did they take the story from this yarn and did they make the best season possible versus saving some of that stuff versus well we got to have give a to be continued for the punisher even if there's not more and we have to give some sort of and the punishing continues so quick throw something together versus reboot the series of madani wants to hire him like again i just wonder how much is saving it for next time as opposed to giving your all for this one yeah and it's a really interesting question to contemplate um we continue to hear that steve lightfoot uh is ready or may have even pitched a season three to netflix that includes plans for daredevil and kingpin and while that should excite you it also shouldn't excite you because eric olson pitched his fourth season of uh daredevil and then they canceled the show. So one can only hope, Matt, perhaps Daredevil becomes the method of last resort in that this isn't going to work at Hulu. It's not going to work at Disney+. Plus. We're not going to go to FX with this once the merger's through. Let, let's keep one on Netflix. We've, we've got the deal with them. Surely cooler heads can prevail and we can put you know, the, the stuff we can't run anywhere else and we can hammer something out. But these corporate entities, I don't know, man, it's it's worse than a couple of Schultz's. Well, I, and it's a matter of scale, isn't it? You know, like 80, 85 million dollars to make this season. That puts it about six, seven million dollars an episode. Chump change. Not, yeah, that's just it. It's chump change for, for Netflix, period. However, Netflix as the thing that killed the thing that came before it, you know, Netflix, the disc service that killed Blockbuster, it's almost built into their DNA to watch out for the thing that's going to kill them. Yeah. And, you know, for as much as we love these shows, I think sometimes people get so angry at the notion that somebody who's in charge of a $5 billion a year production slate doesn't care about us for Punisher or, you know, Daredevil or whatever. Well, no, it's a little minuscule, tiny thing, and it's just business. Um, 
And, you know, every show you ever loved was made after a show that somebody else yeah. loved got canceled, all of that. So, you know, we'll see what the future holds. I think in my mind, there is some mystery in terms of does the Punisher as a show have the same constraints as the Defenders in terms of this multi-year kind of fallow period where Netflix gets to still have it and more gets not get made. I don't know. I also, Pete, I mean, uh, a week or two ago, I'm reading articles about the, uh, the cancellation, or pardon, pardon me, they're not going to move forward to ABC with a, a female superhero show. And then you look at all these things that have been canceled, and it's like maybe the time of Marvel television is coming to an end, particularly as Marvel films ramp up stuff for Disney Plus TV shows. Maybe that's a thing too, and maybe somebody just, you know, I don't know. There's tons of possibilities here that are way bigger than does Steve Lightfoot have a great pitch for season three? I mean, you would hope 317 aired episodes with this episode, Matt, to this point. Uh, and we have done each and every one of them at Fantastic Geek. We are the only ones who can say that. Um, I have a very hard time believing this this is going to get scrapped. We still have – we now have a date on Cloak and Dagger. We have Jessica Jones season three still out there. We have two more seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming. So it's very difficult to think this is going away. I think it's going to morph with Disney+. Plus. I won't believe those shows until they're formally announced the same way. I'm not going to, even though I've seen pictures from the set of the Favreau star Wars, the Mandalorian show, which Matt, I, I understand that George Lucas and his producer friend, Rick McCallum have 10,000 scripts <laughs> at this point. Okay. I know they wanted to wait until they had 10, no, a hundred, no, 57,000 scripts for episodes and we kid, but you look back 317 episodes of TV in this connected universe. Um, and some more connected than others. You know, we don't get a lot of Hulk jokes on, uh, on the Punisher. Okay. But shout out to Nelson and Murdoch. Karen Page comes over for an episode. How about Brett Mahoney stepping up this season and pretty much, you know, the biggest recurring role he's had in any of these shows. Um, if it ends this way, it ends this way. Uh, and again, you know, don't cry cause it's over smile cause it happened. And you know, we got the best version of the Punisher. It, it would just be disappointing that there's not more. And we're going to talk about all this in our season two wrap. So as we say, Matt, let's, let's not blow the, the, the pod here. Indeed, Pete, if we've learned anything from Frank Castle, got to keep an extra bullet in the chamber there. Pete, let's talk theories. I know we've kind of gone to that theory turf a little bit in terms of an eye towards what could be season three, not season three. But uh, what else is on your radar? How did Madani survive? Um, for given that the show had it right down the middle in terms of, and they both lose consciousness slash die question mark, I guess here's how she survived Pete. She got choked out until she passed out, but he then 
did not have the strength to finish the job, thank goodness. Um, I'm certainly not taking a, a choking lightly, but you know, there was no bullet wound, there was no head slammed on the concrete, things of that sort. Um, it, it was just as it was shown a narrow escape. Dumont survived. Something that surprised both of us is getting thrown out of the window and surviving her superpower. I think her superpower is courtesy of a weak spot in the writing. If there was a reluctance to kill a woman character, shame on them. If there was a reluctance to kill what kind of was a passive character, you know, this is not the the woman who was part of the hit squad in the first couple episodes and, you know, who can really go toe to toe with the Billies and Franks and Curtises and Madonnies of the world. So if you want to have some sympathy for her, irrespective of gender, okay. But she did a bad thing. And Pete, here's a through line from Dumont and here's a through line or, or from her to Pilgrim. It's kind of okay if you do a bad thing because if people make you think it's the right thing, then you know no difference, so you do thing, which I'm not entirely comfortable with. You know, I could take it into a purely kind of political or news arena, but I think that just as lone wolves might act when they hear you know, when they hear, when they hear the dogs barking and thinking it's for them, so too must you say, but you were the lone wolf that did this thing. And we see Dumont getting the biggest pass of all, which is, you know, she doesn't die after being put in a position where she could have. There's no cuffs. There's no police presence. Are we to understand she has gotten off of this with just her injuries? I think there was a cop outside the door when Madani leaves. Madani wearing this bloody shirt, which is completely unreasonable. Like, yes, yes. like seriously, as yes, we leave it's the Billy's apartment, blood, we get it. And that yeah. was a great line, and that brought tremendous closure. And yes, yeah. But I'm walking around in a blood-soaked silk shirt. And again, yeah. small fix, Pete. Here's the small fix. Put an NYPD jacket on her or, you know, yeah. DHS or just one that says police. She walks in. Oh, yeah, I'm OK. Boom. Take the jacket off covered in blood. This is Billy's blood. Instead, I'm off. I'm off on this mental tangent in Dumont, who's been a very interesting and, and able character, uh, able in terms of story sense. I think obviously she had her failings and her weak spots, but the, the character worked well as a cog in the story. And I'm off on this mental tangent of like. Man, you couldn't pull over to like a, a Walgreens or something and just like get her get her an NYC sweatshirt or something since there's a man's vital lifeblood on her. So fooey to that moment. How about uh Amy somehow avoiding bullets when uh Frank and Pilgrim turned that adjoining room into Swiss cheese? Well, I have a number of thoughts, Pete. One is I don't have a problem with it because since these two killers missed each other, how could they possibly hit a girl who probably weighs 115 pounds? That's one. Two, maybe the hotel rooms are constructed that way, seeing as how the adjoining wall does not have any studs in it and is just back-to-back <laughs> pieces of drywall. Maybe That's what they've why done... I can always hear an amorous couple in the other room. <laughs> yes. 
Um, so maybe what they did is they double studded the exteriors of the walls and then, you know, just to say the part that looks out on the hallway, uh, and then the interior. I mean, it was awesome to watch him jump through the, a shot up wall. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. It was, uh, but again, here's a story solution. Hey, prop guy, we need balsa wood. I don't even know, Pete, I, I'm, I'm no carpenter. What is that, a two by four or the, whatever that piece is? Hey, we need a couple of those. So when he bursts through, you know, it looks as though he's bursting through this this reinforcement stuff, which we would believe has been shot through as well. Or Frank Castle and his amazing ability to always get up and fight that he bursts through. It would have been cooler if they fought it through, not, eh, let's just keep going here. Um. Really, really loved the inclusion of Allison Chain's uh, rooster in two spots in this episode. And we had Allison Chain's uh, done in the uh, trailer music ahead of time. So, one of my all time favorite bands, one of my top three. So, to get that in there is great, particularly when Billy was in the dumpster, um, was, was just a great flourish. On uh, vanishing, Matt. So Amy leaves. Is she catching up with Micro now? If there's a season three, will we have yet another hard luck case for Frank to solve? Who bring Beth back? I, I was surprised, Beth. I was surprised at the, the the where he was parked outside of. Which fine, the story reveals it's a gang meet up in a garage type thing. I was surprised that it wasn't like. And Beth comes back and he's like, hey, you, um, nice again or whatever. Um, I mean, as for a season three or, or whatever, I, Pete, my heart breaks that we didn't get at least a micro cameo or micro in one episode or something like that. Um, I don't know. Has, you know, it was a heartfelt goodbye between the two of them. I bought into it, even though I was. I was a little impatient with the episode at that point. I bought into the emotion. Is this a season one, you know, or, or a one season and done character that gets discarded for a future third season? Maybe. Clearly the same bodyguard types that uh, were not guarding David Schultz also guard his parents at stately Schultz Manor. Because Amy gave them the night. She gave some non-appearing extras the night off to get in there with a handgun. It's a lazy moment. Again, small fix here. How about dumb dumb outside? Take, and, a, yeah. take the night off, guy who's having a cigarette. I need to talk to your bosses. Oh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Yeah, or clunk him on the head. Or, you know... You know, I mean, you can get various levels of ridiculous, but, you know, like, as the fake pizza is there, you send them, you know, whatever it is, it's it's the tiniest little thing. Maybe they knew the episode was going to be longer than the average. You know, I'm never going to complain from uh, complain about more episode, but this at 57, others at 50 minutes, 48 minutes. Uh, on the one hand, Pete, I want to excuse a speed up in pace as you get to the end. Uh, not, not because of boredom, just I think we kind of expect, you know, in, in the final countdown to landing, you can kind of speed things up narratively a bit. But your point is a good one. It's a narrative bear spot. Did Anderson commit suicide? 
I 100% believe that he did. Um, curious that they wouldn't show it on screen, uh, but whatever. I did like the exterior uh, kind of reveal of it. Um, I personally cannot imagine that if a season three goes through, it's going to be the big reveal that that he, uh, you know, that that he's actually back and now he's Scarface guy or whatever it is. Is the dive school buddy that Frank and Curtis know that Amy is off to sea in Florida? Somebody we know. Um, I'm gonna guess no. Now maybe there's a comics answer that should make it yes, but could we get the Frogman? The Frogman. Um, I think. Look, when there's shows like this where you have a writing room established well in advance of shooting. Sometimes for shows like this, the writing room has even been disbanded by the time you start to shoot. I, I tend to doubt that to doubt that's the case here. You probably have, you know, writers on set, even, you know, when their episodes being shot, that kind of thing. But my point is this, Pete, they were ready to go with a 13 episode structure well in advance. And why does Amy have a desire for, uh, d- diving and uh, treasure hunting and stuff like that. Why did she have it? Episode 207, because they needed a way to get her out of the story in 213 and work back from there. And not being critical, that's how it works. But I'm just pointing out, why does she have this thing at the end? Because they needed an exit for her that wasn't Lady Punisher. Is the three months later, oh, Madani now at the CIA... Is that a believable thing? Do you agency hop? I'm going to go from Department of Homeland Security to CIA. Now I'm in some theater of war, not Afghanistan, not Iraq, not Sokovia. I'm in bivouac, Estovia, (laughs) looking for Frank to come and kill nameless people. Um, Believable or no? Well, Pete, if you're asking, is her episode 213 trapdoor believable because of something established (laughs) earlier on? Wait a minute, Pete. That's why the CIA lady came back in episode 203 or 204. It was at the time under the smoke screen. Again, I'm not being that critical because this is how it this is how it works. But under kind of the story smoke screen of, oh, I need moral guidance. You know, I mean, it's great to get that the actress back and the character back and the continuity from the first season. But it also was set up Madani's happy ending at the end, which is she really has lost her morals to a palatable degree where, you know, law and the Constitution is kind of getting in the way of providing safety. So she's going to work for the company and she's going to work overseas where things are a little less vague. And that's just... That's how it is. That's the truth in the MCU. That's the truth here. And she's better suited for that. And whoop, her story trapdoor is a is a is a well-waxed slide because of what we saw in the first, you know, couple episodes of the season. This the second uh Marvel show to air since the passing of Stan Lee, the first on Netflix. We get the honorarium the in loving memory of stan lee at the end which certainly bears acknowledgement it does and all of these shows should be tipping their caps uh pete we don't uh podcast nor do we uh, watch a lot of the cw dc shows 
uh, personally, I, I I wouldn't think it to be inappropriate for uh, for those shows to maybe have a little, you know, maybe it's a poster in the background or maybe, you know, the flagship show, you know, Arrow or whatever does a little in, in memory of Stan Lee just to to acknowledge the fact that he was more than a force at Marvel and, and all that. I can't help but notice, can't help but mention, you know, it's like climactic ending where Punisher mows down a bunch of teenagers or people in their 20s, quick cut to it in loving memory of Stan Lee. It wasn't a great fit, nor was it necessarily scripted to be, of course, because they didn't yeah. know at the time, but a slightly weird combo there. It is a little bit of a weird combo. Well, Pete, hold on one second, Pete. My sat phone is ringing. It says number blocked, number blocked. Who's calling us, Pete? Well, Matt, first we go. It's actually beyond Facebook. We, we've gotten uh, personalized communique, Matt, from, a, from an operative uh, I go way back with. This is Ed DeWeese uh, via Facebook Messenger. And uh, he reached out to me here and he said, by the way, my two cents on season two finale of Punisher, disappointment, all caps. The way they killed Russo was kind of stupid, in my opinion. Sorry, had to let that out. LOL. Let me put it this way, Pete. Uh, while I'm OK with it dramatically in terms of denying the villain his moment and and i think that he earned that denial mm -hmm. you know how well did that play when i was on the couch eh. it, oh i loved it how did I, it play I, for I, frank he didn't even give a you know goodbye brother or it was always going to end this way brother there kind of was nothing on frank's end to he give didn't me the get audience swept up in sentimentality here billy is oh curtis frankie no frank unfeeling boom boom you were already dead to me now you are actually dead with me fair enough i i could see how it is a controversial choice i think ultimately i applaud the writing room for going with it but i think they must have known it was gonna gonna upset some people but what else have you got over there pete from uh itunes matt we had a comment left for us on the fantastic geek podcasting pop culture feed on itunes uh the headline is the very best five stars this is by jhmed or jamed um and the review reads simply don't miss an episode of this excellent podcasting duo well thank you for those kind words we of course love those reviews on itunes it helps uh new listeners find their way to us adding to the fantastic geek family so thank you again for all that uh, for all that kindness also kindness matt and just as essential are the good people that go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek pete micro might not have been with us this season but he's got the same problem we do there's lots of bleeps and bloops and computer stuff that happens behind the scenes and uh, we truly cannot do it without the people who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek help support us with our uh, our continued quest here to podcast everything in the MCU. Pete, I just checked. We're up to date. We're up to date. Thank goodness. And uh, these episodes, of course, are going to live online until we all become holographic representations on some far off future. And uh, again, 
thank you to those patrons who helped make it possible. But if you want a holographic Matt or Pete, there is a patron level for you to contribute to or to create one. Uh, so we will work with you uh, to upload our memory and grams and, and give you your own uh, version of our selves. So thanks again, one and all. And, you know, as we close out at least the episodic portion of season two, and again, possibly the series um, could not have happened without you. And again, we'll be bringing you one more episode, that wrap episode in a couple days. Pete, when people in the future discover this podcast and hear about what, what was once a Marvel Netflix and now in the future exists only as holographic representations of these old-timey shows, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter, which hopefully is still around <laughs> as well? It better be. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E -E 10,354 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But maybe there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word. Like it today. Pete, as you mentioned, we're going to be talking Punisher Season 2 one more time next week. So, dear listeners, do share your thoughts about the season as a whole as we get ready for that. Also, as mentioned before, new Star Trek Discovery tomorrow. Return of God friended me on Sundays before you know it. And uh, let's see, Cloak and Dagger in April. Jessica Jones in the April, May, June area. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the May, June, July area. It's a great <laughs> time to be doing this. Oh, Pete. Also, do I understand there's going to be like a new Avengers movie in a couple weeks, a couple months? Uh, and a Captain Marvel movie, Matt, that again, you know, would not be complete if Fantastic Geek wasn't there covering that for you. So uh, if this ends the, the Punisher, plenty of more Marvel going around. You can join us over there on the the PCP, as we call it loving, lovingly, the pop culture podcast by Fantastic Geek. Well, Pete, with that, I will say for episode 213, adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You know, kid, sometimes you find things and they change your life.